Welcome to the third episode of Why Dawson. I'm Saba. And I'm Paige. And our third interview is Kim Edgar. Hi. <laughs> hey. Uh, so the first question we have for you, it's kind of broad, I guess, but why Dawson? Well, <laughs> um, I floated up here after I graduated our school in 2014, uh, and I didn't necessarily have the intention to stay longer than a summer. But as often happens, I fell in love with the place and I stayed. And um, I think there's a there's a lot of factors as to why I choose to live in Dawson. Some of it is community based. I've never really lived in a place that has had such a strong sense of community. Yeah. Uh, I've never felt like I belonged anywhere other than Dawson. So that is a huge factor. Um, price is a huge factor too. I do feel like it's possible for me to make enough of a living to live off of mm. here, both in the fact that there's ample work in the summer for if you're able to work, or as is my case now, uh, I'm less able to work regular jobs, but I'm able to do freelance, and I'm still able to like, live off of that freelance. Um, and so the quality of life I can afford, compared to, say, in the big city, is better here on mm-hmm. the same amount of money being made, and there's more community-based stuff so you're not constantly spending money, like the dump or, like, you know, like, the buyer and cryer, you can, like, trade things, or, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also, there's such a huge, strong arts community here that I did not expect when I first moved up here. In fact, I had more seminal art experiences here in Dawson than I ever did in the city. Yeah. Um, and it's also accessible, which is really cool. So, within the first summer that I was here, I got to, like, meet all sorts of working artists through the residency and through Kayak, mm-hmm. and, like, volunteer on the committee at Kayak. For a while, for a couple years, I sat on the committee and was able to do jurying, which was a really important experience. There's ample funding in the Yukon that is um, easy to access compared to other funding. Um, and yeah, it just it feels like a community that rewards the artists that stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dawson, Yukon in general, and also Dawson in particular. Um, so I feel that and also I, I, I'm close to nature, which is a huge aspect of my work as well. Um, So yeah, those are a lot of the reasons that I choose to be here. Also, finally, one more thing is that because of the internet, it is so much easier to maintain a practice that expands beyond the territory um, remotely here. So I'm able to keep in contact with clients and work with clients all over North America uh, for my freelance work. And I'm able to, um, well, at the moment, do online shows for comics and stuff and then previously before the pandemic I was able to get funding to travel down for that sort of stuff yeah. so and they like to fund people from the north traveling down south so it's like yeah it, it, it's actually much easier to have an art career now than I think it was pre-internet here yeah that's helped a lot yeah. are you from are you from Whitehorse again no I'm no. from Ottawa Ottawa okay yeah well that is goes very well into our yeah. next uh, question because you said that you came up, but like, what made you, I guess, like take a plane ticket up here and then, like, what brought you back? Because there's a lot of people that like come up here and stay here, but then, you know, there's free will of like leaving, mm-hmm. or and then you know people leave and come back. And yeah, I did leave actually. Um, so initially I came up because I heard there was work and a lot of cool people, and it sounded like an interesting thing to do. And I'd wanted to do it since I was, like, 19. And by the time I graduated art school, I think it was, like, 24? I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. And so I 
moved up to like get a job and just sort of check it out almost sort of like a tourism kind of thing um like a working holiday but uh what was, that, what was the second part of the question uh like why you took a plane ticket up here and then why you left oh right and came back yeah and so then I was up here for a couple of years and I really loved it the reason I left was because um my partner got into a program in Toronto and so we were there for two winters um for her to do school there and so I was in Toronto and it was two winters and we would come back in the summer but for the summer in between those two winters I ended up having a job at the AGO in Toronto and so I ended up coming for like a month and a half but really I was like I had to go back for my job so um yeah and then we just decided that we needed to go back like come back home and initially it was supposed to be a year off from school then uh, the pandemic happened, and then my partner like just re- was started doing what she was training to do anyway at the job. So it's like it didn't yeah. really matter. And then her school, anyway. So we we decided not to go back. But uh, it was just Toronto. I had an amazing time because of friends I had there. However, it was just such an unlivable city, and it was just so stark compared to my experience in Dawson realizing how exploitative so much of the labor stuff is there, like how much exploitative work, um, how deeply expensive it is to live. I felt like I couldn't go for a walk without spending like 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, and it was just like no sense of, there was like, there were pockets of community absolutely, but not in the sense where here, like if I need to, I can hitch home. Like I'm always going to get a ride home. You know what I mean? Like it's never going to be an issue. Whereas there it's just, it, I mean, sometimes the anonymity is really wonderful, and I do really like cities, but, like, I did feel very isolating. Um, and because constantly hustling means you don't really have time to see people, I just, uh, there wasn't as much social interaction as there would be here, where yeah. there's a lot of passive social interaction in Dawson, where I see people and get to keep up socializing by, like, running into them in mm-hmm. places. Um, but in Toronto, it's just so big and vast that unless you live in the same neighborhood, you wouldn't yeah. experience the same thing. And it got better. Um, the longer I was there, like, after the first year, but it just, like, was not a sustainable place for us, and as an artist, it was, like, I couldn't live off of the money I'm making now there, so, whereas here, I'm able to be a full-time artist. Right, and that's what you want. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you want. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, you were kind of talking about the community here and how that's way, like, this is so unique to... I yeah. think anywhere, um, but uh, I was, we were wondering if uh, creating art in, in Dawson, like the act of creating art, is different from creating it somewhere else, uh, the other places that you've been. Well, I've done like residencies where I've made art there, and right. usually in residencies there's like kind of a studio space, a space to make art. In Toronto, I couldn't afford a studio space, so I worked out of a corner in my bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> our apartment didn't have a living room, so basically our bedroom was both mine and my partner's studio space and our bedroom and the place we hung out. It was, like, very cramped. Yeah. Whereas now, I mean, I still I have an office, but I don't really make work there. It's more for business stuff, I guess. Um, and a lot of the drawing that I do happen, that does incidentally happen at home. Um, and I have, like, mm-hmm. a little space there, too, so I kind of have, like, two studio spaces. Um, but the fact is I have two <laughs> spaces. Yeah. Have, like, I, I have the ability and the means to have space, you know? And it's, like, even if I don't have the ideal space right now, the idea is it's, like, much more feasible for me to have something yeah. mm-hmm. here uh, than it ever was in Toronto, just, again, financially. I think something people don't talk about a lot with art is that 
Um, unless you have, are blessed enough to have a side job that you love and find fulfilling, or like a full-time job. Do you know what I mean? Like lots of yeah. respectable artists have a day job, and that's amazing. Um, I am not one of those people who can. I'm disabled, and I just I have one skill, and that's art. <laughs> so can't do other jobs. Um, but like if you don't have that, like it's a huge thing about sustainability in art practices is being able to make enough money to live off of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you're living in a place like Toronto or Vancouver, yeah, there's opportunities, but like at what cost in terms of like how much it requires to live? I think yeah. I lead a bit of a better quality of life than people in similar financial positions down south. Yeah. And that is because I live some, in a remote, tiny Yukon town. Yeah. Look at our questions. They're like following really well with what you're saying. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 next. Uh, yeah, the next one is being in Dawson. I mean, yeah, you said that your work is about nature and stuff, but um, do you find your work gravitates towards being about the land or like created by using the land? I wouldn't say my art's about nature, um, but there's definitely, um, I use the land in particular yeah. as uh, a way to examine the body and sort of the similarities between land and body. And so that is obviously intrinsically influenced by the landscape I inhabit, which is here, you know? Mm -hmm. So when I was making this work in Toronto, there's a lot more Ontario-centric landscapes and Ontario plants, because it's just what I was encountering on a daily basis. Um, so yeah, it's absolutely influence of the work I make because the sort of the layout the landscapes I explore are the ones that I, I interact with yeah yeah and then you talked about the community before and do you think that you've had a lot of opportunities to collaborate with people and has the community influenced your work yeah oh definitely yeah yeah I think yeah. the work um the work well I mean the work I started making that I was making when I came up here is drastically different than the work I've um and making now but also mm -hmm. that's because it's been like seven years or something so like yeah. but, you know work changes <laughs> yeah um <laughs> one hopes <laughs> but definitely like i think it's impossible to tease apart um the way my work has grown in the place that i come from right like we're mm -hmm. all we're all fed by where we are you know and we're all influenced by our situation like where we're living the people we're around it's like you, you no one creates in a vacuum so it's absolutely influenced by the people around me, the people I talk to, the conversations I have, the community, the land, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, this leads into more just about your practice. Um, like, we primarily know you for your comics and, like, illustration. So we're just wondering, like, what led you to doing illustration primarily now? Yeah, um, the drawing practice that I have, which, yeah, like, I feel like are illustration based. Some people say it's drawings, it's, you know, whatever. Um, I guess I've always been drawing my whole life. Um, it's like the very first practice, I think, for most people. Um, not all, but like a lot of them, because it's just like the act of mark making. And so um, I think, yeah, I started drawing. I'm sorry, what was the question? Uh, just like what led you to illustration? Or oh, right. Well, actually, so the current body I of work I have now is I can trace back to living in Toronto and having such a tiny space because I was sharing yeah. my bedroom with my partner. We both had a studio space, and I had, like, the littlest desk. It was very cute, though, but it was a very little desk. And, like, I just could only afford, like, um, 9 by 10 watercolor paper, and I would just started working on that. And so it was, like, smaller. And I used to, in art school, like, work big because it's what they encourage and everything. But it was yeah. just, like, 
because of the limitations of space and the resources I had, I started working on paper much smaller. And now I'm working bigger again, but it's like definitely informed by like watercolor drawings that are yeah. smaller. And so, yeah, that, it was like the most accessible way to make the images that I want in the space with the materials that I had. Because I was trained in printmaking and a lot of printmaking is, needs like the specialized equipment yeah. and stuff. And so I just yeah. didn't have access to that. And I also prefer the directness now, um, the directness of drawing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did that answer the question? I'm sorry. No, it no, did. I feel it like did. it definitely yeah. did. Yeah. Um, the next question we're going to ask you about the Northern Gaze. I don't, I haven't been up here long, obviously, mm -hmm. so I don't really understand the Northern Gaze. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to ask you, you know, what, what the Northern Gaze is and what, and how that differs from the Southern Gaze or... If there is a southern gaze, <laughs> the southern gaze okay. is what I'm responding to with northern okay. gaze. So, like, um, right. the, the northern gaze is the name of an anthology that I'm curating right now, right. Editing, um, and it's in response to the southern gaze. And what I I'm personally defining the southern gaze is is the um, in the same ways you have any other gaze, like the male gaze is the is the ideas that men have about women and like or non non men, you right. know, and like how. Any non-man, non-man, any woman, any non-binary person has to sort of fit into this mold that men have. Like, you, do you know what I mean? It's like internalizing yeah. the male gaze. So taking that right. and like putting that the and it's the most catered to gaze is usually the male gaze yeah. over the gazes of non-men. So in a similar way, the southern gaze is a gaze that's catered to in storytelling. So um, mm. what I have noticed in um, many comics or some books uh, that I've read. Maybe most books, I don't know, um, that take place in the north is it's always catered to a southern gaze. Yeah. So you notice how, like, in Hollywood movies, you know, there are the tropes of just, like, for example, people in high school. There are a lot of <laughs> in the high school. They have a cafeteria. They have a prom. These are yeah. all quintessentially American concepts, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, they're not necessarily Canadian, but no one has to explain what a prom is. No one has to say, yeah. like, these lockers are what we use to put things in in our culture. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right, it's like, yeah. it's assumed that is normal. And that is American, because we have a very America-centric media system, but also Southern mm -hmm. in general. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then our cultures end up kind of copying those things. Like, I don't think prom was a huge thing in Canada until like, the States started doing it, if I'm not mistaken. That could makes be, sense. Could be wrong. But, like, <laughs> we'll don't quote right. me on that. <laughs> uh, you know, just, but, you know, it's like, and so on a similar sense, it's like anything that's presented about, we'll say the South, mm -hmm. like the non-territories, um, especially big cities, is does is presented without needed explanation. You don't need to explain what a corner store is. I don't know. Yeah, you know? No. It's just like you don't need to explain what a locker is. You don't need to explain what prom is because it's not like coming at it from a cultural ethnographer. It's like in this culture, <laughs> the prom is a rite of passage. <laughs> For you know, yeah. teenagers to feel like they are moving into adulthood. It's very important cultural. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like so. Anything I think from the north is really explained in that way to the south, right? Yeah. Everything's catered to the south, and mm -hmm. it's just sort of a frustrating trope, I think, because why aren't we making content that speaks directly to people like us? And yeah. I think this with so many other right. things too. Why am I making queer content that explains queerness to straight and cis people? Yeah. Why do I have to explain it? Why can't I make content? that other people will know. Why can't they put the effort into understanding our culture, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, and, and, and the, yeah, this goes across a lot of things. So when I think of the Northern Gaze, I just think of, like, stories about the North that don't explain North to uh, the Southern audience, right? It's like, 
Um, I try to do this in my comment that takes place in the north where I don't, you know, explain like, oh, let's go see the lights. And then there's like a little caption being like, in the north. <laughs> when oh, we say the lights, okay. we mean the northern lights. And this is what this means. It's like, no, it's like when I say let's go see the lights, like it's not, there's no... Yeah, there's, subtext. Yeah, there's no subtext there. It's just like, right. if you don't know that it's in the Northern Lights, you'll figure it out, or maybe you can Google it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, um, yeah, so that's, I think, what I'm trying to do with the Northern Gaze um, anthology. So I put a call out um, for participants, and I also selected, I, I personally asked some people that I know of who are um, mm -hmm. comic artists in the North. So we have people from all three territories, which still heavily skews to the Yukon, because that's just simply mine. Yeah. pool of people so yeah. I hope in the future I'll be able to expand that network so I can have a more equal yeah. representation I just I'm, I live in the Yukon so like most of the people who I can reach are Yukoners yeah. um, but still I, I think uh, it's like a start <laughs> definitely. Yeah. definitely yeah Yeah. so basically the idea is northern catered to the northern yeah right yeah. okay as if you're yeah. talking about it to your friends like yeah Making it normal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It sounds like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> trope. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, the second last question. Um, your practice seems to be like centered around using it as like, I don't know, like an act of therapy or for the self. And how do you say that this has benefited you, but also your practice and how those coincide? how like using my practice as a sort of therapeutic thing has benefited both me and my practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, it's benefited me because it's been therapeutic. <laughs> yeah. um, and like I uh, have worked through a lot of things that I find maybe difficult to verbalize um, through my practice. Like for example, I made one comic that was specifically about various instances of sexual assault that I experienced. And Previously, those instances had a very somatic, traumatic um, effect on me still when I thought about them. Making the comic was very difficult, but now I kind of feel like I've released the, the, the trauma and the fear I had of those experiences, and I can think of them kind of separately. Like, they're, not, they're kind of processed, you yeah. know? So I feel better about them. And they don't, like, have a hold on me anymore. So that has been really helpful. Um, I've used my work as a way, as a means to get closer to things I'm uncomfortable with. Um, and to force myself to do things that I'm uncomfortable with. Like, when I was young, it used to be, like, street art or, like, investigating insects, which I thought were scary, or, like, death, which is still quite yeah. scary, to be honest. Um, and so, yeah, I think, like, that has benefited me. But I think has it benefited my practice? Probably just because it's a very honest way of working for me, you know? And it's, like, I just think that the best practices are those that kind of, you know, they're they're – examined and there's something that you um are, are putting effort into and you're sort of like um investigating but at the same time it's still something that comes naturally from you you know mm -hmm. um so for me that's something therapeutic mm -hmm. but for other people that might be like work that's about something completely different but it, i guess it's benefited my practice in so much as it's um it's just like very authentically myself yeah yeah, I found that because uh, for the podcast, hello, um, <laughs> Kim came to give us a workshop. Um, uh, I found that that's, I would say that's definitely so true. Like when you were showing your work, I was like, wow, this is so genuine and authentic. And Me I just too. really appreciated the vulnerability. Yeah. Like I feel like it's much easier to connect to when it's just like, this is the raw truth. Like, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's really nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. um, I think with that, like, it's easier to 
yeah, like obviously you're gonna read into it whatever you want to, but it's when it, like you can feel that it's authentic, you can almost understand the person better or like have a connection with them. Yeah, yeah, like I think understanding quote unquote cognitively yeah. is not really the point of the work. It's like more the visceral understanding. It's like you don't have to know why it chose these elements or what it means, quote unquote, but like I'm hoping that if I work authentically, people will at least feel the vibe yeah. like I don't know you know that feels authentic so yeah yeah um I guess the last question is also why Dawson but more in the context of you know still being here and like I don't know if you have family like in the south or all of my family's in Ontario yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. same for us yeah. Um, yeah still working on trying to get somebody up here um yeah. but yeah um uh, no I'm I just can't, at the moment, see myself living elsewhere. I can't see myself affording a home anywhere else. Mm -hmm. I can't see myself um, being part of a community elsewhere. I do think that, like, living in Dawson sometimes means leaving periodically for periods of time. And so I could see myself, like, spending some time maybe living here elsewhere. But, like, Mm -hmm. I just, um, this has been my home base since I was about 25. Um, and I'm like 31, I'm all 32 now. So it's like, it's just sort of, um, yeah, I just can't imagine myself being elsewhere. Yeah. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, tear in the eye. (laughs) Well, I guess I'll close this off. Thank you for listening to our first episode of Why Dawson. That was Kim Edgar. I'm Saba. And I'm Paige. Uh, if we put this on a radio, do you want to plug yourself? Oh, yeah. Go oh, for it. yeah. Go for it. Uh, yeah, I run a small business called The Foragers Club, uh, which is theforagersclub.com. People can buy things there. I design pins and patches and home goods, <laughs> enamel mugs, yeah. blankets, that sort of stuff. Um, uh, my portfolio website for my practice is KimberlyEdgar.com and you can find my contact information there if you want to hire me to do uh, anything. I don't know. Design, illustration. Uh, if you want to buy work. If you want to like nominate me for a prize. Trying to get a down payment. You know. <laughs> um, Wow, okay, yeah, so that, that's how you contact me. Oh, also Dead Bird Party on Instagram. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Amazing, have a good day. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>